Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of SoGrow Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. All right. Good morning. I'm so excited to see you guys today. I look forward to the SoGrow Marketing Council every month. And for those of you who are new, this is a organization for executive level marketers. And the idea behind this organization is that we need to learn from other marketers so that we can stay up to speed on multiple different areas of marketing. I started this organization years ago because I found I was swimming in my little public relations lane and public relations touches so many different areas of marketing that I felt like I really needed a bigger perspective of what was going on in the marketing world. And so I just started meeting with marketers that I knew and we decided to share tips and it has helped me tremendously to improve my marketing skills. But then the also, also the other part of it is it helps us to be more valuable for our clients because I often have people ask, well, do you know somebody that can do web design or do you know somebody that can do branding or sales? And I'm really careful who I recommend. So I like to get to know people in settings like this so I can say, yes, I've got the perfect graphic designer. I've got the perfect content writer and we can help each other and make those introductions. And then we can also share business. If somebody needs social media, they probably need PR and they probably need photographers and whatever other marketing services that may be represented. So please use this as an opportunity to get to know each other and learn from each other. And then we can also share business as well. So the structure of the meeting is that we have people that have submitted tips and they have been chosen to present today. Our presenters have four minutes to present a tip and then Sarah will let us know when our time is. So you'll hear her, her timer go off. And then after you wrap up your tip, we'll have about one minute for questions. So if you want to ask the presenter a question or make a comment, we'll have a minute to do that as well. So I'm gonna go ahead and put the order of the presenters in the chat. And if we're still waiting for some people, we'll just skip to the next person. And then as you do your tip, please be sure to say your name your company and your marketing area of expertise so that we can get to know you. This is also a video and a podcast series. So for the people that are listening on podcasts, it's really critical that you say your name and company so that people can know who's presenting the tips. And then we've got featured experts who present tips every month. And we've got Kristen Sellier of ID8. I don't think Kristen has logged on yet. Is she, is Kristen here yet? Um, but she's an amazing branding expert and graphic designer. And I know Brian is representing ID8 today. And then Yana Tori is a fabulous email marketing expert. So she's our featured expert on email marketing. And then Scott Siegel of Beacon Sales Advisors is our expert in sales. And then Kimberly Petty is of Cindy Miller Communications and she is our featured expert in crisis communication. Sarah Stewart is of Sogo PR and she's our social media expert. And then I hold the public relations seat. And our featured experts are just people that we have gotten to know and we, like to highlight them as experts in their field. And so if you come and you share great tips, you'll probably be asked to be a featured expert as well. Um, we just hand select those people and then they get priority in sharing tips. 
So we've got the list here of people that are going to share. So um, we're going to jump to Yana Tori. So Yana, would you like to introduce yourself and share a tip today? Of course. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Anna Tori. I'm a deliverability specialist. I'm the person that ensures mm -hmm. that all your beautiful marketing emails actually land in the inbox. Uh, and I'm here representing Police to Mail You, which is a deliverability consulting firm. Um, today's tip um, is lands perfectly and kind of works well with uh, the tip from last month. Um, during the holidays or big, you know, marketing events of the year like Valentine's Day or Black Friday, we tend to create these amazing marketing campaigns, either email or anywhere else in order to get people to either sign up, subscribe, and so that we can keep communicating with them. Right after the holidays, I was letting people know to remember to remove some of the people that just signed up for that coupon you were offering. And uh, this month uh, was gonna go about empathy. The uh, talk about empathy, I wasn't going to go the way of empathy. Um, spam filters, uh, as technical as they can get, are looking to ensure that um, they reduce the amount of spam people receive on a daily basis. Most people assume spam is always related to um, things where people are trying to either steal your money or sell you something that you don't need, uh, when the actual definition of spam is just an email that people don't want. This can be that they don't want it because they didn't subscribe to it, all the way to they don't, they don't want it because um, they just don't actually want your email. Uh, in many, many cases, um, people tend to buy lists and they're communicating or trying to get you know prospective customers, and that is considered spam, even if it's not totally illegal. When we're doing email, the one thing we want to have is empathy. And it's not a word that I usually like to use because it depends in what context. So in this context, um, when it comes to Valentine's Day, it is important to give a way to people to opt out. And this is not only for Valentine's Day, for Mother's Day or important events during the year. Some people might not be too happy into receiving 10 million. Uh, Valentine's Day might not be the appropriate time. Somebody might, might have passed away. Something might have happened. So it's always important to be a little bit empathetic and think about about who might be on your list and how you can be more empathetic when it comes to uh, how you're communicating with your customers. Um, if not, on the other side, I like to use the word logic. Sending emails five times a day to people is just not just not a logical thing to do. We don't like it. We assume that if we send more, we're going to be making more money. But unfortunately, the spam filters consider that spam. And that becomes uh, that can become quite an issue because your reputation is on the line. Uh, your spam filters are looking at what you're doing, what your business is doing, is looking at what competitors are doing. And any negative red flag is going to affect you and is going to affect you long term, like it will with a credit score. So it's always important after any type of holiday or right before to use that logic, use that empathy to make better decisions. It's extremely important. And um, just a quick tip again, or more of an alert, uh, Google updated their spam filters once again. So people might be having issues inboxing with Gmail or G Suite. Um, subscribers. So it is extremely important to start really taking into account all these little empathetic, logical things uh, when it comes to emailing people just because the spam filters will catch you. It might seem logical to you, but you need to put like a, a hat on, like if you were a robot, pretend you're a spam filter and say, hey, if I see this email, would I give it to my to my customers, which is what your subscribers are, they are the customers of Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, and whoever, um, would this computer um, 
decide this is appropriate or not. Uh, so it's very, very important because as time progresses, it's going to hurt you a lot and it's hard to fix. You can't just go to Google and say, hey, I made a mistake. You're going to have to prove it to them. Beep, beep. Oh, perfect. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sorry. That is so helpful. Anybody have any questions or comments for Yanishwari? Um, yeah, Yanishwari, I have a quick, quick question. Um, we're working with a client where we're getting earned media for them, and it's um, it's tough, right, to get <laughs> earned media. Um, but what we're doing is um, interviewing clients and um, to use as a hook um, for these earned media spots, and we're gathering all this like wonderful information and quotes and stories on these people and we're trying to encourage them to use you know put these together and, and also use them on social media but also i was i get their email marketing um that their other team does and it's just all um advertising you know for their product and i feel like i like email marketing that I've done for other clients where it, it might have some um, product there, but then also like a client story, like a personal story, like maybe below the fold. Is that good advice? And tell me what you think about. Um, what, um, okay. So when it marketing. comes, yeah, yeah, or of course. Just be like one thing per email marketing, or can you do more than one? Topic. Okay. Um, so what, what we're going to depend on here, and if you want, we can like talk for hours about this on another call, uh, would be um, would be to ensure that the email has value for the customer itself. So in this case, uh, they're lucky that they can have a very long email. This means that they have the time to write the content or get it. It's a, quite a project to go get like actual interviews from customers. Um, segmentation would always be better, um, especially when it comes to Google. And I think everybody's case here, we tend to have more Google and uh, Hotmail in our lists. Google cares about engagement, just like it does with social media. So if you were to send out the same long email to everybody and the engagement over time was minimal and uh, on a side topic, open rates are not very precise. So having good open rates doesn't mean anything. Um, you are going to have issues down the line just because the inbox, especially with Google and Hotmail, they're going to be like, well, these people don't really care about the email. We don't want to we, they don't want it and they're going to start blocking people and anybody who looks like those people meaning how they're working in their inbox will also stop receiving the emails on a consistent basis um, so in their case if they have this long email with a lot of things the best thing would be to segment take a piece of that email and send one thing to that to one subscriber and then the other part to the other subscriber um, it's extremely important because we don't think of as their inboxes as social media but they're starting to work that way it's the best way for me to explain it um, I would definitely cut say, down say have that one again. purpose um, the uh, engagement like uh, people expect that the inbox is kind of like a folder where new things just pile up and that's it but that's not how it works and uh, google is at the forefront of this but so will everybody else that has the money to put into it uh, engagement is going to become important so if you're not an engaging brand or your types of emails are not completely engaging uh they're just gonna miss the inbox and i'm not talking about the promotions tab i'm talking about nowhere at all not even the spam folder so i would definitely cut down the email and just take the same email cut it into five pieces let's say and send it to the people who are gonna want to do it it's a waste of time as well if you're doing all this hard work 
and then no one's reading it, especially below the fold. I mean, how many of us actually read a full marketing email? We kind of like forget that when we're the consumer, we just scroll really quickly or we open, didn't catch my eye, I leave. So you have all this huge content, might as well work more on segmentation and targeting than anything else because the inboxes are going to hurt you. It's not even I, like, I don't even, at this point, I don't even care about marketing. It's, what's the point of all the work I'm doing if people are not getting my emails? So the first part is get the email and then market to people. A question. Sure. Yes. Um, what, what's your experience? Uh, is it Yana? Yes, Yana Tori, yes. Yana, Yana Tori uh, with um, embedded video. Oh, the ultimate question. Um, I would suggest you communicate with an amazing company called iMail, like I, like the I. What they do is that they take these videos in the most amazing um, quality and they can kind of like in the Silicon Valley TV show, they can shrink it into like a couple of megabytes so that the inboxes don't find the email too heavy. The issue with videos is that the inboxes might not be able to read it. Like Microsoft Office can barely, you have to like, that manually download the images. The issue would be more on the market, like on the visibility side. When it comes to deliverability and inboxing, the email just has to not be too heavy. So the if it's embedded, that's even like a like an URL that has a video, uh, that'd be best than actually uploading and having it stored like in Mailchimp or or Flow Mailer. Um, but the issue would be the design. So I would uh, either use iMail to make sure the video is really really small with the highest quality, and use uh, Litmus. Um, it's like a text, a testing thing. You send them an email, a copy of your email. They have like 50 types of inboxes, like, uh, today, how they read emails and they will let you know how it looks. Um, it's always good to have a backup, you know, like the image with a play button on it and just leave it there. Yana Tori, can I follow up by Justin's question? Good morning. Good morning. Um, <laughs> hey, Joe, I'm sorry. We're going to have to pause. Like, we have a little bit of time afterwards, but I want to make sure we get a couple other tips in. So can you put your question in the chat and then we can come back to it if we can. Sure. Have a couple minutes there. So, Yonatar, I think what we need to do is have an email marketing council <laughs> meeting one month. We all just ask Yonatar questions. It's just really annoying because the, yeah. the, this is so important, right? And people don't know. That's absolutely yeah. So, so let's let's we can we can talk about that because I think that would be awesome. Um, all right, so y'all, and let's do one quick um, screenshot because I sometimes forget to do this. So, just want to get a quick screenshot so we can remember who's here. So I'll count to three. So everybody smile, and we'll do a quick screenshot. One, two, three, smile. All right, we'll do one more just in case anybody close their eyes. Okay, one, two, three, smile. All right, Scott, would you like to share a tip today and introduce yourself and your company? Oh, I think you're on mute, Scott. Yep. There we I'll go. Let me try again. So good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Siegel. My company is Beacon Sales Advisors. My tip today is the power of forecasting. When you think about three things, only 20% of businesses forecast. So if you were in school and you got a 20 on a test, that's not a passing grade. And the, the ones that do, they only forecast for that current month and it's based on trends and there's no metrics. They have no defined process and they don't leverage your CRM. So what we hear from business owners is, I don't know what my pipeline is. Think about if your best salesperson just walked out the door and you don't know what their forecast is. Everybody wants to scale their business. 
if you don't know how much money you have and what your forecast is, how do you know what to invest in your business? And there is no accountability. Discipline is not a bad word. Discipline is a good word. What does forecasting allow you to do? It allows you to be accurate. Hold your sales team accountable. Tell them no sandbagging. You want to know where they are. Plus, it gives you the ability to really understand how good, how well they know their customers. If you want to scale and you have a forecast, you're going to know what to invest in your business. Make sure you have a great CRM. Make sure you have a process. And I know it's hard to believe it's typically sales versus finance versus marketing. If you have a forecast that everyone in the organization can see, you have clear visibility and everyone on the team is working towards a common goal. Scott Siegel, Beacon Sales Advisors. Thank you, Scott. That is really good information. I have so many questions, but I'm going to open it up to see if anybody has any comments or questions. That's really helpful. All right, Scott. Well, then I'm going to ask my question. Okay. So why do you think companies do not forecast? What do you think is holding them back? I think there's a couple of things. One is there's a notifying process. They don't have a CRM. And what they haven't done is they haven't built out well-defined job descriptions. And a well-defined job description will have accountability. It's really about who is gonna do what by when. You, you need to just stop, sometimes count to 10. Um, and it goes a long way. And a good forecast to me falls in the category of little things matter. That's great. Thank you, Scott, we appreciate it. Wonderful. Kimberly, would you like to introduce yourself and present a tip today? Everyone, I'm Kimberly Petty with Cindy Miller Communications. Um, and I'm sorry, I do not have a tip today. My time yesterday that I allotted to put that together, my child called me from school with a sore throat. And so, so we've been doing that here. So he's home today, but somewhere in this house. I don't know where he is right now. But anyway, I apologize. Apologies. I did not get a tip for today. That's totally fine. Do you want to just introduce your company? Because I can highly recommend Cindy Miller Communications. I've worked with them for years. And so I'd love people to just at least know what your company is and what you guys do. So we're a strategic communications company. So we do crisis communications, which um, we've done a lot of that work. Uh, we do a lot of work with um, lobbyists um, working on different types of legislation. Right now we work with the uh, Georgia um, um, film industry on um, the, the tax credit that's in Georgia. And we work with other types of um, lobbying teams to help communicate different types of information to the legislature. So done a lot of that work and then also just general PR that we've done. So thank you. Thank you, I really appreciate it. Joel, would you like to introduce yourself and present a tip today? Sure. Hi, guys. Um, Joel Alpert from Market Power. I have a couple of questions. I have two quick questions for the group. When you hear uh, your uh, definition of direct marketing, what do you think of? Complicated. Complicated. Direct mail. Actually, I, I should ask the question better. Let me ask the question better. Hold on. What's the definition of direct marketing? What does it mean? Not, I mean, I appreciate your impression, but I actually was going, going for definition. 
like a straight ask, right? Or is it, I think of mail too. Would calling, does that, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking you a definition. So you're saying straight ask, calling. Yeah, uh, or even like. I get in the mail. Okay, any other definitions? I mean, the stand when you walk into a business and they're sitting there, you know, it's they've got all the information and they're ready to sign you up. <laughs> okay, good. You know, is it by mail or telephone? Okay, but I don't have I don't have an MBA. I'm sure there's like a, a really. <laughs> okay, what do you guys think of when you hear branding? I mean, branding? as a definition, as a definition, as a definition, definition of branding. Branding. Yeah. For me, it's the experience that a consumer gets as they go through the process of, you know, introduction to the company, the buying, the buying the product to service, and then, you know, once they get that receipt and head out the door. Okay. Identity. For me, like branding is all about somebody's identity. They can answer all the questions that comes with questions that go with identity, I guess. The infrastructure of the company. The, Anything else? The perception of your company in the marketplace, how it makes people feel. It's interesting how many definitions there are. Color. That, that's really my point, uh, uh, guys. Um, and, 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 and Brian really sort of identifies it. So, so it's like, People can really have different definitions. And the question is, is what definition are they using when you, you as, your, as a consultant are working with them? It's all over the board. I, 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 I hear definitions, direct marketing, that's everything from direct selling, knocking on people's doors and, you know, in an office park and selling them paper supplies, I don't know, uh, to, um, you know, and, and different definitions of, and direct marketing could be direct mail, email, uh, take ones at uh, retail countertops. Same thing with branding. It's all over the board. Everything from uh, the brand identity, its logo and tagline, its uh, brand marketing, where uh, you know you're pushing a, an image on social media. It's a lot of different kinds of things. So the question is: is what is your client thinking, and how is that leading or influencing the discussion? So. If we, if the definition is is sort of off, if we think it's off from our perspective as as experts, we can try to educate them. There are two options: they either get our definition or they don't. And it doesn't matter that much as long as the definition isn't weird in the marketplace when they're talking to other business people, or um, as long as you as long as you know what they think, you know how to communicate with them. So a lot of times, um, like, like there was one time where I um, had a, a conversation with a guy uh, about definitions in direct marketing. I was doing direct mail for a company called GT Wireless and they um, defined it as direct selling. And when they did a presentation at the Direct Marketing Association and they talked about it as direct selling, these people at the meeting wanted to kill him just because he had a different definition of them. I mean, so it's a strange situation. But, but it's an example of how definitions can vary. So when we understand what the uh, a company, uh, what a person's definition is, a company leader's definition is, it can be powerful. Some definitions die hard, and it's a great way to start being on the same page as folks. That's, it. That's great, Joel. Thank you so much. Good, good things for all of us to think about as we work with clients. Any thoughts or questions for Joel? 
Oh, I have a lot. Uh... <laughs> Brian. <laughs> so is Brian's thinking still, Joel, what's the answer? So well, the, the the answer is is doing is doing what the um is is understanding the client. I mean, the answer is look for the answer. It's doing what the client, uh, sorry, not doing what the client says, but communicating with them in the way that they understand it. In the same way that you know, if 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 you were bilingual and you spoke Spanish and English, you're talking to a person who's primarily speaking Spanish. You would talk their language. So it's easy to talk to somebody and be in their own head because you're going to understand how they think about their world and their business a whole lot better if you understand their definition. The only time that it's really problematic is when it's just, you know, it's, it becomes really hard to talk about it when they just have some distorted viewpoint of it. And it's so weird that it's, it's hard to deal with. But normally, so, you know, what if, I don't care if you, if you, you know, call it short truce and I call it green, who cares? So I think another good answer we need to have for our clients is to the question of, well, how do I get my branding like Chick-fil-A or Home Depot or Walmart? I get that a lot. Um, that's well, we want to we want to provide an experience like Chick-fil-A. Well, they've taken the time and it's a long time to create that experience that is, for the most part, consistent in whatever Chick-fil-A you go, whether it's in Georgia, Texas, Illinois. And um, I think we need to we need to make sure that you know clients know that when you're branding, it's kind of a marathon. If you want your brand to you know stand out above uh, above the noise of all the other brands, you've got to have some patience, you've got to be consistent, you've got to have your employees bought in because they're your biggest brand ambassadors. And um, you, you've, to me, the biggest thing is consistency when it comes to branding. I don't know, what do, you, what do you guys think? Absolutely. No, I think that's a really good, I love that. People don't realize the work that goes into that. They, yeah. think they, they just see the product and it, it's fabulous and it works and it's a great job. And they think, oh, but they don't realize how many things are thought out and how much yeah. It's taking care of your employees. It's getting them bought in, like you said. It's, you know, all the thought that goes into the whole process that makes, you know, a very good quality and also ongoing, consistent. I love that. Yeah. The brands shouldn't be like a pinball machine where, you know, you pull the ball back. You have no idea where it's going to go. You're, you should oh, know exactly. You, you know, we want to, right? Mm -hmm. we, you know, we know we should. You know, that's the right answer, right? Say what? We know that we know that when you pull the ball back when you're playing pinball, you know you want to know where it's going to fly. Exactly. You want to know the exact places that your client, your customer, consumer, client is going to hit. You know it cannot be random. You've got to control their experience within your brand, and that's how you get that consistency. That's how you get brands like Chick Fil A and Home Depot, and um, people. You know, the layperson just doesn't understand the work that it, it takes to it's get to that point. Huh. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's culture. All those companies have a great culture. Yes. Drives down is. to everyone in that organization. Yes. So how do you stay with the brand and keep the brand, you know, like the brand is sacred and all the things that make up that you know brand culture how do you 
bring out the personality that shines on social media and makes them everybody on social media is constantly wanting I want viral I want you know stuff that gets noticed but if it's just the same brand message it's branding but it's not necessarily gonna you know what I mean well I think you can tell different stories with mm -hmm. consistent messages yeah I think Chick-fil-A does that really well with their commercials they bring in you know different people but they're all telling the same kind of story right right I think too, it comes down to the values because you have your brand, but I think when you speak to those values, I think that's where people grab onto it. Cause they're not grabbing onto a color. They're not grabbing onto a word. They're grabbing onto what the company stands for. And so I think having that as the, the foundation of the brand, the brand is what really gets people to buy in and then gets the people that are not part of that, um, culture or not, or they don't have those values, then they self-select out too. But one, one of the things that I say about uh, about this lately is just about it's a new mantra. You want to do brand marketing? Start with a brand. In other words, people think that, yeah, let's get the message out. Let's put it out on social media. Let's move you know, this whole stupidity. And it's it's really short-sightedness. Don't you realize that you got to think through Brian, your example with Chick-fil-A and you know, whatever, that it really is a culture and they really have thought it through and they've worked hard at it. Yeah. Start off with get it right, then promulgate it. Don't yeah, don't they boil the water the wind and see what happens. They boiled the water before they drank the tea. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Love that. Awesome. So good. Again, we could have a, a huge discussion on branding. So maybe we'll do different months where we have certain topics where we can have some conversation because that was so great. Really, really good things to think about. Justin, would you like to present a tip today? Sure. Um Literally, my Google Slides just logged me out two seconds ago. Uh, um, but uh, speaking of branding, I can speak off the cuff. Um, speaking of branding and consistency, my, my topic today is about developing themes within your positioning frame, framework. Um, my name is Justin. I'm um, a branding and a content marketing director uh, at a software company called User IQ. And I have experience as a brand strategist, uh, a content marketer, and a PR manager uh, agency side as well. Um, so when you're developing your brand and you're trying to arm the sales team and the marketing team with positioning, um, how do you do that? And one of the ways, you know, one of the core elements of your uh, positioning methodology um, you might want to consider incorporating themes. Um, what are themes? It's two to three succinct ideas that drive um, not only your top of funnel marketing, but also your bottom of funnel marketing. And they could be things like, you know, making decisions easier, breaking down barriers, saving time. Um, otherwise, what's, what's the, you know, what else are you going to do? You're going to develop messages over here, over there. My company does this, my software does this, my service does that, uh, and you're throwing up on people um, and nobody likes to be thrown up on. So what themes allow you to do is, is for you to find consistency and focus um, so that you can develop your messaging with a, with a bit of science to it. Um, so it ensures consistency. It, it, this will help your ELT, your executive team, you're not going to have to reinvent the wheel every time you work on a pitch or whatever you do, or every time you add a new feature or a service. 
Um, and again, it, it just helps you, your entire team find focus. Themes in your positioning and your messaging, um, they will help you, uh, they will be made up of your, your customer's pain points, um, differentiators in your service or your product, um, third party and first party research that you've done on your market, and uh, as well as your, uh, your mission statement. So when you're incorporating these two or three themes, make sure that you're grabbing from all of these elements um, and that you're including that. And your themes can live in your positioning, uh, your tagline, messaging, pitches, video, emails, web copy, pretty much all top of funnel, bottom of funnel uh, marketing. And then finally, my tips for you in, in developing this, they're not easy. They're extremely difficult to boil down your entire client or your company into two or three ideas, but it's, it's an exercise well worth it. Um, make sure you get your entire team involved. If you're, if you're um, working with a, your, your company or your client, uh, because it provides an ownership mentality and they feel like they've developed, they've helped you develop these themes. And then under each two or three themes, you want to, you want to develop three to five um, sentences that say why someone should choose your company uh, based on those themes. Uh, and then make it easy for every, here's the thing, it doesn't work if, if your sales team isn't using this, it just doesn't. And when your sales team is out saying one thing and you're out saying another, um, and your customer support people and customer success people are saying one thing, it's, it doesn't work. So you have to make sure that they're armed with guides that will help them determine what these themes are so that they can develop their own language, whether they're talking to a, um, a CEO or a, or a consumer. That's what I got. Great, Justin. That is so good. That com that combination of sales and marketing together, because you can't, <laughs> neither department works well without the other. Any thoughts or questions for Justin? I liked how you talked about, you know, developing your own language so that you can disseminate the information to a CEO, to a solopreneur, to people who, you know, could arguably have two different personalities, two different ways of digesting information. And um, I, I just thought that resonated well with me. Thank you. Um, Justin, um, any themes that you have found to be um, read as disingenuous by your audience? I don't know if the themes are disingenuous. The way the way the way you carry it out could be disingenuous for sure. If you're not using language that's normal, uh, that you're so. Here's the deal: um, make sure you're speaking in the language of your audience, right? You just mentioned this yourself, uh, Joel. Is um, don't speak your language. Speak the language that that your um, that your audience is going to receive, whoever they are. But make sure that your entire team is using the framework the same way, uh, using the same framework for their, for their own purposes. So I, I can't think of a dishonest theme, but I can certainly think of dishonest ways to uh, communicate that theme. Okay, and Justin, how often do you think themes change? Is this something where once you get your themes- That's a great, that's a great question. Or do they evolve and change? Um, I, 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 I think the knee-jerk reaction is no, they should never say, 
they should never change, right? It's your brand. You want that consistency. But the reality is markets today change quicker than ever. Um, and as a result, your product or your services are going to change as quickly as ever. So I, I think it's probably in your best interest every six months or year to take another look at, at, at these themes uh, while also maintaining your brand consistency. Uh, but the reality, the reality is that your themes can very well change, but I, I would, I would try to keep it as consistent as possible. I wouldn't change every three months. Um, maybe even six months is a little too much, but yeah, I, uh, I've seen them personally have to change just due to, um, where you are in the market at the time. <clears throat> yeah. And it could also be an evolution too. It may not be a completely different direction, but it may be this theme needs to update and maybe be tweaked to kind of match what's going on in the market. So it's not, it may not be that you have to throw everything out, but maybe just keep an eye. So that's great. That's very tangible and, and helpful. Yeah. You always have to evolve. And I, like I said, I love to say that these things were universal for your company for the life, um, but they're just not in reality anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for your tip, Justin. Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself and give a tip today? Um, I'm going to pass for a second because I just had someone come to the door. So someone else go for Awesome. No problem. Are they okay? It's no <laughs> like they're being attacked. Watchdog. I feel like that always happens. Like the sec, my dog is quiet all day. The second I unmute, she's got a bark. You know, literally right before my presentation, my Google slides signed me out. So I had to do it off the cuff. So I was sitting here and I saw this there's a construction worker and I saw him walking up to the door and the dog goes across the house and okay actually no actually someone else go first come back to me it's totally fine I'll I'll go real quick and then you can wrap us up Sarah so okay so the tip that I wanted to present today has to do with social media my name is Stephanie Richards and my company is Sogro Public Relations and we do PR for business to business and business to consumer companies and one thing that we get asked a lot is for holiday social media posts. And I have been moving away from those. I feel like we get asked to do this all the time. And on those days, everybody posts the same thing. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy New Year. And so my challenge for us today is to not waste time just filling up social media feeds with no value. And so obviously there are going to be times where it makes sense for a business to do a holiday post. And so that's what I want companies to think about. So let's step back and say, if this holiday post doesn't align with our business, if it doesn't align with our market, I give you full permission to just skip it. Nobody is gonna be sad if you don't tell them, Merry Christmas or whatever the holiday might be at the moment, happy 4th of July, they're going to be okay. So just give yourselves permission. You can tell your clients it's okay. We have seen so many clients want to post things for Valentine's day and they're in the construction industry and there's no connection and it's silly and it feels weird. And so we're like, no, let's, let's not, you don't, you don't have a stake in the ground for Valentine's. Let's just, let's, let's move on. Let's do something else. But for other companies, depending upon the holiday, it makes sense. So for instance, if you're doing something um, like there's a, a client, um, ID8 Reflective Apparel, they have done a fabulous job of looking at those specific dates that are specific for their industry. 
they do reflective apparel that construction workers wear and, and different people wear to be visible. So when daylight savings time comes around, they talk about worker safety and they're talking about when daylight savings ends, these people are going to be out and it's going to be dark and they're still going to be on the job. And so they align that, that aligns with their brand. And so it doesn't make sense for them to do other holidays, but that's a particular day or event that makes sense. And they do a fabulous job with that. And then another option is if these holidays come up and you want to post something, use it as an opportunity to provide useful information. Let's say you have holiday hours and you're going to be closing or your hours change. So put up that holiday post, but say something about, we'll be happy to help you these hours, we'll be open these days, we'll close these days. And that way it's not just a thing that people look and say, oh, it says, you know, happy holidays, generic, nobody's going to pay attention, but give them useful information with something like that. You know, if it's something like the 4th of July, you can use it as an opportunity to highlight a made in America brand, anything along those lines that makes sense to make it a little bit more, more valuable. So I'm gonna show you guys um, in my pet peeve of not wanting to post just something that said, happy new year's. Um, and we'll show you guys a post that I did. So this is a, um, this is a, a company that I have that does jewelry for business women. And so instead of saying Happy New Year's, I posted something that says, I don't make New Year's resolutions, I make strategic plans. And this particular piece of jewelry is called First Million in Revenue. So it's you set your goals and you, you um, purchase this when you reach that goal. And so again, it doesn't just say Happy New Year. It's got that branding. It goes back to the values. It goes back to the idea of that person that reads this is going to connect with it and go, yeah, I don't do New Year's resolutions. That's like, let's set goals and do that sort of thing. So the holidays are fine, but see if you can find a way to make it work for your brand and don't feel pressure to say happy new year. If that's all you're saying, you can dig a little bit deeper, see if there's something else there. Um, but I feel like as marketers, we waste a lot of time and just being able to educate clients on the value of really thinking through these posts and not just posting something just because it's a particular holiday. Thank you, so if I ask questions, do you guys agree? <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. I saw a funny thing yesterday on Valentine's Day. It was a divorce attorney who, you know, brought in Valentine's Day and how it's not a good day for you right now at this point in your life because you're probably going through a divorce. And she uh, she made it a little humorous and uh, informative um, and short, too. It was a little video she did on uh, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. If you're a divorce attorney, Valentine's Day, that makes sense. So I, uh, opportunity. My wife has a bakery in Roswell and her late day post was see you in nine months for baby shower cookies. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's funny. I also have a little pet peeve with people posting for Memorial Day and saying happy Memorial Day when it's a mm. day of remembrance. <laughs> yeah. And I feel That's like a cringe. lot of Mm -hmm. kind of forget that right. so. thank you so i mean this is so awesome i, lo I love this because show some damn creativity already like mm -hmm. i mean my god we're marketers like come on and, and my personal pet peeve on top of that is saying happy fourth of july no offense to anyone who says that it is independence day it's not it's not the name of it, it's it's do we say what day christmas is we don't or or valentine's day we don't say whatever it's independence day just a pet peeve. I never thought of that ever as a Canadian. Okay. But <laughs> American citizen, I never thought of it. Fourth of July. It's true. 
I've never even done the one plus one that we say the date instead of the date. <laughs> Happy February 14th, right? Exactly. <laughs> I never thought of it. So oh, that's yeah. this was the best tip. That was the best one. I'm just <laughs> well, I feel so much better knowing that you guys feel the same way because I just keep seeing these things and I'm like, yep, thanks for saying happy Thanksgiving. Like the other 30 posts I just saw five seconds ago. And it's just so it's my pet peeve. So thank you for letting me then. I think we should get our marketing pet peeves together and, and write a book. <laughs> I think it would be fun. Um, all right. And Joel, was it you that had the question for Giannis Worry that about email? Because we've got just a minute if you want to go back with it. Or was it? Uh, I, I told you write it down. I hope you <laughs> No, no, my, my, my brain is like a sieve. I mean, it's like, it's gone. Thank you. That's okay. That's okay. I just want to make sure we had enough time. That's so wonderful. Any other thoughts or comments before we wrap up? I was going to share a tip. tip. I oh, can do right, my Sarah. tip. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so, and I'll just give it, um, I was going to do a slideshow, but I'll just do something quicker. So it is important to be passionate about your work and we can get so caught up in, the day-to-day -day spreadsheets and it, it almost seems more so with working from home sometimes that you get kind of like less inspired and I think it's really important to find things that inspire you about your work because if you're not excited about it then your customers are not going to be excited about it if you're not excited about the campaign that you're putting out they're not going to be excited about it so whatever it is, try to find something, whether it's the design or the color and, and even go outside of, you know, if you're in a certain niche or a certain industry, you know, go listen to some music, go watch some dance videos, go get outside, you know, try to do something and then bring some of that back so that you can get some of that joy and bring it back into your campaign. Or if you can't find it, steal it. Go see what influencers or people that are excited are doing. Go scroll through your feed and see what's catching energy, what, you know, what, what's capturing attention. And then, you know, you can grab some of that. And so that could be either a life skill, but in terms of marketing and social media, that's, you know, take those social media ideas, what's working, what's exciting, what's capturing attention attention and put that into the campaigns or the post for your customers because it's important that it's exciting because that's the type of thing that people people are drawn to energy whether even if they don't understand it they're like oh that's exciting that's colorful that's bright that's pretty and then if you've got a good message as well even better so that's my tip Great, Sarah thank you and I know Sarah and I when we work with clients we've had clients say well there's nothing special about our business. We just do it well. And I'm like, well, then change your business, do something special, like figure out what it is that you can do. Because if you're not excited about it, like Sarah's saying, nobody else is going to get excited about but it. But so it is, there's always something, it. It, it, there's always something special and exciting. And exactly. you know, it's, people just don't see it because they get used to it every day, but um, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so Sarah, I agree. You want, you want to be remarkable mm -hmm. and you want to be present in that moment. So your point about finding that quiet time or doing something different, if you're working all the time, you're not going to be present in that moment. That, yeah. that we, we all underestimate how important that really is. Yeah. And that my last part of that tip, don't settle. Don't mm -hmm. just put out, check the box, throw out some marketing stuff just to do it. Like keep looking for that creativity hook. 
until you find it. And then usually like you'll find that hook and it lights you up and you can go for another, you know, however long it is, but. That's great. Thank you so much, Sarah. So as I mentioned, for those of you who may have logged on a couple minutes late, go ahead and put your name and your contact information in the chat. And that way, if you guys want to reach out to somebody after this, I highly encourage you guys get together, have coffee, meet with people. Again, these are the people I like to do business with. You guys are the ones that I refer my clients to. So I highly recommend you guys just network outside of this meeting. And then our next meeting is March 15th. So it's the third Tuesday of every month at 10 a.m. We also have 10 minutes of networking before the meeting. So if you log on at 9.50, we just talk and do all the um, catching up and, and just get to know each other a little bit more. So I highly encourage you to do that as well. And if you would like to present a tip, you can go to SoGrowPR.com and click on the Marketing Council tab in the right-hand corner. So that's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and then click on the Marketing Council tab. And in that drop-down menu, there's a section where you can hit Submit and then you just submit your tip and we review those and approve and then invite people to present. Thank you all so much for coming today and for taking the time to prepare your tips and share. So the best tips will end up on the podcast. So you guys can listen to that and share that and even use that for your own marketing. If you presented a tip today, you know, feel free to, to take the audio and, and um, you guys can certainly use that to promote your businesses as well. So we will see you all on March 15th. Thank you guys so much for coming today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.